And we thank you, Pastor Winwright, and we're so happy to be with you this morning and our listeners. Uh, there have been quite a few that have called, and they give words of encouragement. And we're so glad that you're listening. Uh, we trust that even now, while you uh, are listening in and you're near the telephone, would you call a friend? Have them. You know, this is the way we spread the gospel. You know, pastor teachers are given that they might edify the saints of God, that they do the work of the ministry, and that is your that is your job to get people to listen in. Now, we can't do this. Uh, we are busy. We study the Word of God, and we bring the message to you. But it's up to you who love the message, and you love to have it proclaimed, and you love for others to hear the message. Then won't you help us to spread it by inviting them to listen in? This morning we want to continue the message of last week on the state and the standing. Oh, this is such a precious study. It is so precious to get the saints of God to see what causes all of the tribulations and the trials down here because this is our state down here. But thank God we look above the state and beyond the state unto that standing. And we closed with this last week that uh, uh, we have uh, uh, all that we have we await for. And yet all that we await for we already have. You say that's contradictory. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. It is the, uh, it is the knowledge of state and standing. And so now this morning I want to look at from... Uh, the position and the condition. Last week, we looked at the future and the present. We saw that even present we are redeemed, and yet we shall be redeemed. We wait for the redemption of the body. But this morning, I want position and our condition here. This is our state and our standing. Now, in Colossians 3.3, 3, he said, For we are dead, and our life, our eternal life, is hid with Christ in God. Did you, did you ever study that? In Colossians, the third chapter, and the third verse, For you are dead, and your eternal life is hidden with Christ in God. Oh, that's our position right now. Are you up there in heaven now? Well, not bodily, no. No, this is our position in the heavens now, but our condition is down here. For we are told we put to death. Look at Colossians 3 and the fifth verse. Now, after he has told us in the third verse, you are dead. Now, in the fifth verse, he said, mortify, therefore, put to death. And that's what mortify means. Put to death, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Now, what is it that hasn't been put to death yet? 
This are the members of our body, the soul, the spirit. Yes, that was put to death. He says, your eternal life is hidden with Christ in God. In other words, your spirit and soul are already saved. But now he says, put to death. Put to death the members of that body. Our bodies is not yet redeemed, as we told you last week. And here again is the state and the standing, position and condition. As to the position of the believer, our eternal life is hid with Christ in God and awaiting the redemption of the body in the future. Now, while we're in this body, and while the spirit and soul is in this body, we are to put to death the members. This We are in this bodily form, and it is uh, through this body that these sins come forth. And he says, put those members to death. In other words, when... Uh, uh, when the temptations come to us and we're to mortify, to mortify, put to death those deeds, we are to say no help wanted. As um, I used to, when in the church, former church that I pastored, I had a man, a farmer there that loved to bird hunt. And I went to his home in the bird season. We'd go bird hunting and he had he had such good dog, bird dogs. And these dogs would go out and they'd be in a playful mood and they didn't have their mind on bird hunting. And they want to play. And this man would say, down boy, down. Now this is what we need to say unto the members of the body. We are, we are dead. This is what he says. For we are dead with Christ. But now, when the members of the body rise up, then let us, like the trainer of the bird dog down, boy, there's a serious thing now. It is We're going out for our business. We're going out. And your mind is to be concentrated now upon this. And so it is in our own lives our minds concentrating upon Him and that eternal state. We want to go before Him not empty-handed. We want to go before Him where we can receive the rewards of her for the deeds that's done in the body. Oh yes, let us put to death let us say, even as this man said to his, said unto his bird dog, Down, boy. And we say to that old nature, Down, boy. No help wanted. We have a more serious thing to be carried out. We have a more serious business now than the foolishness of this world. Then yet, he tells us in Colossians 3.10, and let us look at that Colossians Oh, isn't the Word of God precious? In Colossians, the third chapter, read in the tenth verse, and there he said, 
and have put on the new man, and is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. I say again today that this book of Colossians, well, the whole book, the Bible is precious, isn't it? From Genesis to Revelation, this Bible is precious. And he tells us in here that we have, uh, we are new men. And in Ephesians 4, 24, he says we are new men. And uh, then we are told we become re renewed. We become renewed. I want you to go with me to Ephesians 4, 23. When I go back to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and in the 23rd verse, and he tells us there, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. But you said we are a new man already. We are new men. But he tells us to become renewed daily. Be renewed daily. And have put on the new man that is renewed in knowledge that is day by day. This is, again, let me repeat to you, this is the doctrine of state and standing. Then again, we are told in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 5, and there we learn that we are, uh, uh, he tells us in there that we are saints, or we are light. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 5. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. We are light. And yet we are told in Ephesians 5, 9 that we ought to shine as the light. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter, and in the ninth verse, he said, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, and proving what is that good and acceptable thing. Yes, do you prove this? Do you prove this by your daily life? And we are to let that light shine. He says in the 8th verse, You were once darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Why? Because this is bringing out the fruit of the Spirit. We are told in Colossians, the 3rd chapter, and in the 12th verse, And there we are already saints of God. Colossians 3 and in verse 12. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, tender mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. Why is this? Oh, beloved, this is because that we are the saints of God. Put on therefore as the elect of God that is, the saints of God. We are the saints of God, but we become sanctified, for in First Thessalonians, and in the fifth chapter, and in the twenty-third verse, notice again, 
as we read, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now he says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And yet he says, We are saints already. We are sanctified. But we become sanctified Daily, I want another passage of Scripture in Second Corinthians, the seventh chapter, and in the first verse is another uh, passage of Scripture. Second Corinthians seven and verse one. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Yes. I repeat to you again this morning that we are now the saints of God, but we become sanctified, as he tells you here. Be, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness. This is the state we're in. And there's such danger of the members of this body of following the old nature and uh, bringing, uh, bringing disgrace upon the Christian faith. Oh, so many have brought disgrace upon the Christian faith. Don't you do it, child of God. Would you listen today? Don't you do it. Don't bring disgrace upon the precious name of Him who loved you and gave himself for you. No, again, we are, we are told that we're perfect. In Colossians, the second chapter, and in the tenth verse, and I want to look at this again, in that book of Colossians, and notice, this is why that the unsaved person has a hard time of understanding us, because they haven't known, after you've been saved, then the light shines on this word of God, and here, until you see the believer's state where he is down here and his standing. But I want you to notice in Colossians, the second chapter, the tenth verse, and you are complete in him. You are perfected in him who is the head of all principalities and power. And yet in Philippians, the third chapter, the twelfth verse, we are to pursue after, perf after perfection. And listen to him in Philippians, the third chapter, and in the twelfth verse. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to note, he just said a little let him that is perfect, as many as be perfect. But now, he said, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. What does he mean by this? Well, this again, beloved, we've got to, we have to understand that state and uh, that, uh, 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 that standing. What is your state today? Imperfect. You ask, Brother Watson, are you perfect? I said, yes, I am perfect. You mean to tell me that you're without sin down here and you don't commit any sin? No. Then you're not perfect. No, I'm not perfect. 
Yes, I am perfect. And then the world looks on and said, Well, make up your mind. Now, which are you? Well, I'm both. I am perfect in my standing, but I am imperfect in my state. We are perfect. You are complete. You are perfected in Him. And in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, He hath perfected forever them that He is sanctified. Perfected forever. Are you perfected? Yes, indeed. But, he says, we are to pursue after perfection. In Philippians 3.12, he said, Not as though I am already perfect. That means in our state down here, while our spirit and soul are in this body. Now, I don't know what you are this morning, whether you are a trichotomist or a dichotomist. We have a school of thought who are dichotomists. They think that the spirit and soul are one and the same and then the body, and they will look at it as a dichotomist. Uh, I myself am a trichotomist. I believe that there's three. I believe there's body, uh, spirit, and uh, there is spirit, uh, soul, and body. You know, we are so prone, we are so fleshly down here, we are always many, we always mention, mention body, uh, soul, and spirit. But that is the reverse of what God gives it in First Thessalonians 5, that he might preserve a spirit, soul, and body. Spirit first, soul, and then body is last. But we are so fleshly down here that we put that old body first. And we say body, soul, and spirit. Well, God puts it the other way. It's spirit, soul, and body. But here he says that we are perfect. We are Perfected. God has perfected forever them that are sanctified. I am already perfect. And yet Paul says that I am to pursue after perfection. He said, not as though I had already attained or that it was already perfect. But he said just before that, as many then as be perfect. Now, that sounds like a direct contradiction, though, and it will always sound that way to the unspiritual mind that does not know the difference between the state and the standing. In my state, I am imperfect. In my standing, I am perfect. And then I find in Colossians 1.27 that Christ dwells in us. He said that Christ is in you the hope of glory. But in Ephesians 3.17, he said, He should dwell in us. He should dwell in us. Ah, but he says in Colossians 1.27 that he does dwell in us. Now, does he or does he not? Yes. Christ is in us. The hope of glory. But in Ephesians 3.17, and listen to the apostle as he prays here, and he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Yes, as to our state and as to our standing, and as to... Uh, the position and the condition, here we find that we must understand these, or we're going to be a miserable group of Christians, which there are miserable Christians today. Now, we find that this is in contrast between position and the condition. 
That is, uh, uh, our this spiritual dignity, and I do love to see spiritual dignity. I certainly, I, I, I just, it, it irks me. Uh, I can't tolerate the slothfulness in business among Christians and doing the business for our Lord and being slothful in that kind of work. I cannot tolerate it. It irks me to no end. But I say I believe that we ought to carry on the Lord's work with spiritual dignity. And I believe that we ought to enter in to the courts with thanksgiving and with reverence. And I believe that in our worship service there is a lack of reverence. O oh, beloved of God this morning, that the children of God should realize these things and they should enter into their worship with that worshipful attitude and not in there to visit and to whisper, to talk and do all of these things, but to go in there silently and realize that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. I say, but we see the contrast between the position and the condition. What is my position? My position today is Christ dwelling. My condition that he should dwell constantly. He should dwell constantly within us. Now the poverty-stricken beggar is taken from his miserable hut. And when he is set down among princes, then he ought to behave like a prince. And let me tell you again this morning, we are set down at the right hand of God in Christ. Then we ought to behave like Christians. And we are instructed to behave like Christians. I say again, this old hut down here is nothing but a hut. And poverty-stricken hut. And now we're set down. Let us, ever be, uh, let us ever be cognizant of this fact. Let us ever comple uh, keep completely in our realization that we are set down at the right hand of God and we are lights in a world that is darkness. Now let us shine as lights. As light holders, let us shine for Him. God told Israel, Christ said unto Israel, You are the light of the world. That's world salvation. But we are members of the body of Christ. And we are light. We are light holders. And we are to let that light. Christ is the light, for He said, I am the light. We are as light holders to let Christ shine in and through us. I say this is a poverty. We are poverty-stricken. We were poverty-stricken beggars when we were in sin. Poverty-stricken beggars. But we were taken from the beggarly things and we made as princes. We ought to act like it. Oh, even beyond princes, we are made saints of God then we should behave like saints. Our state and our standing. 
we should allow in the state that we're in now to prove before the world that we have a standing in Christ Jesus. Position imposes duty. What is your position? Beloved, we are risen with Christ. We are seated with Christ at the right hand of God. That's my position. I am perfect, he says in Colossians 2.10. And Christ dwells in us the hope of glory in Colossians 1.27. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5, we are light in the Lord. We are the saints of God. We are new men. Let us walk. Let us walk as the new man. Let us let the light shine. And let us walk as saints. And let us walk down here, showing that Christ dwells in us, the hope of glory. I say that position has imposed a duty upon each of us. Now this is where the strife between the flesh and the spirit begins. I go back to Galatians, the fifth chapter, and verses 17. In verse 17. And there he says, For the flesh... Lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, wrath, factions, seditions, heresies envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and the like, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I see again position then imposes duty upon us, and this is where the strife begins between the flesh and the spirit. The flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. There is between the old nature and the new nature. Christ in you the hope of glory. He is that seed. He is that seed. And we're told in Galatians 3.16, He speaketh of the seed. Not seeds as of many, but that seed which is Christ. And this is why in First John, the third chapter, He says, He that is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin. Oh, but there are those who believe that that means sinless perfection. Oh, no, beloved. You know who the seed is, and that seed that dwelleth in me cannot, cannot commit sin, for that seed is Christ. When any sin proceeds out of Otis Wasson, it is that old nature of Otis Wasson. But the Christ within me does not and cannot sin, for he is the seed. But in Romans 6, 6 and 11, and there he tells you of the old man and the new man, and the constant work of faith, which is sanctification. Now, in our next broadcast, 
we want to speak to you on God's work versus our works. And again, I see that another time of broadcast has gone, I don't know, it may seem long to you, but it seems so short when we're telling you the wonders of this wonderful salvation that is ours.